Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Jessica Ann Turner is a content creator and tastemaker for busy moms looking for hacks to live life with more intention and less stress. She's a blogging veteran having established her platform in 2006 and has continued to evolve to meet the needs of her community and the influencer industry today. Jessica lives with her three children in Nashville, Tennessee. She is also a vocal LGBTQ ally and is proud of her positive co-parenting relationship with her ex-husband and author, Matthew Paul Turner, who came out as gay in 2020. Today, Jessica and I are talking all about her experience as a divorced mom and what she's learned about co-parenting. So whether you're in that situation, needing to co-parent through the holidays this year, or you're trying to be a supportive family member to someone going through this, I think you're really going to learn a lot and feel very uplifted after hearing Jessica's story and message today. Also, this whole topic came about because we're doing a big series live on Instagram this week on healthy holiday boundaries. So every day, the week of November 13th through the 17th, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific time, I'll be going live on Instagram on my personal account, Corinne Stoko, to give you some tips on how to establish healthy holiday boundaries in your family interactions and what makes a healthy holiday boundary what's not a healthy boundary, and then some of the most common mistakes you can avoid while setting boundaries, especially during the holidays. So if you happen to find this episode after that week, you can still go back and find the replays of all of those lives by going to my Instagram page at Corinne Stoko, C-O-R-R-I-N-E-S-T-O-K-O-E, and I'll have the series saved to a highlight bubble called Boundaries. Also, you're going to hear Jessica mention today in the episode that one of the key things she did in her divorce journey was her own work on herself. And if any of the episodes or content that I've shared here or on Instagram about boundaries or codependency have spoken to you and you're ready to do the work, we are officially reopening the Becoming Coda Free Bootcamp, which Coda Free is the opposite of codependency. And it's reopening this week with a Black Friday discount. It's the biggest discount we'll offer the whole entire year. So if you want to hear more, DM me the word CODA free, C-O-D-A-F-R-E-E on Instagram and on my profile, Corinne Stoko, and I'll send you more info about the Becoming CODA Free Bootcamp. Now, let's get into today's episode. Jessica, I'm so excited to have you on today. For anyone who isn't familiar with you yet, can you tell us just a little bit about you and who you are and what you do? Sure. I'm a full-time content creator, which I still can't believe I get to say. Um, I worked full-time. The whole time I had my blog, I started blogging in 2006 and just went full-time two years ago. So I've been in the space for a really long time. I have three kids, a son that is almost nine, a daughter that's 12, and a son that is 15. And 
We live in Nashville, Tennessee, and my ex-husband, Matthew, is a Christian children's book author. You might be familiar with some of his books, like When God Made You, When God Made Light, When I Pray For You, and we divorced in 2020, so have been navigating co-parenting for the past couple years, and I'm just really excited to be here today and hopefully encourage some other people. That's so awesome. And I didn't realize that you only went full-time two years ago. That is a surprise to a lot of people. They they didn't realize that my blog wasn't my full-time thing for a long time because I've been in the space for so long. But I worked full-time in healthcare doing social media and content strategy. And let me tell you, after the pandemic, I was done, burned yeah. out. And I was like, I have to do this other thing that I've long wanted to do full time. And honestly, that also part of that catalyst was my divorce. You know, Mm -hmm. that when the dream of my marriage died, it was like, I can't let this other dream die. And so going out on my own and doing this thing full time was an act of faith and a leap, but I prepared and it's just been phenomenal. I, I can't believe that I get to live this life every day. Oh my gosh. I love that, Jessica. And I knew that you were an OG blogger, but like that is that is really cool that this is kind of a more recent dream of yours that you've jumped on. And so if anyone isn't familiar with your blog, do you want to talk about that for just a second and like what you blog about and how you serve your audience there? Sure. Well, I don't blog nearly as much as I used to. It's just my name, jessicaNturner.com. I just did a big rebrand. I used to be the mom creative, so that might be how people know me. And I talk about parties and crafting and creativity. And right now, during the holiday season, I talk a lot about deals and product recommendations and gift guides and that sort of thing. A lot of women really look to me to kind of help them with their decision fatigue for shopping during the holidays. And it's one of my favorite times of year with the work that I do. Awesome. So let's go a little bit back to what you were just talking about, where you said that you went through a divorce in 2020. And my audience knows this, that I also went through a divorce a long time ago in 2007, or sorry, 2008. What's really interesting to me and and the piece that brought us together today was what you mentioned about co-parenting. The catalyst for this conversation was about a week ago, I asked my Instagram audience like, hey, what are you nervous about with the holidays? Like, how can I help? Let's talk about boundaries. Let's talk about codependency. Let's talk about how I can help you navigate this in a healthy way where we kind of lessen some of the drama. And the one question that came in repeatedly that I looked at and was like, oh, I have no idea how to answer that was about co-parenting. Like, what do I do about co-parenting? How to have good boundaries there? And I just was like, uh, I don't know, Google chat GPT. I don't know. And when I asked my audience, I just said to them, I have no idea. I'm not an expert in that field. I have zero experience there. So because my, my divorce, I didn't have any kids with my first husband. So I don't have any reason to have experience with co-parenting. So I said, who could I ask? And your name came up multiple times. And as somebody that a lot of people look to as an example of someone that has a really healthy and really great relationship with their ex and is co-parenting beautifully. So let's talk about that and about how you have figured that out, because I would imagine that that's something that, I mean, nobody prepares you for. Nobody gives you like a guidebook on that. How has that journey gone for you guys and where did that start? Sure. So my divorce story is a little different than most in that Matthew and I divorced because he came out. Mm. 
There still is a lot of love. There still is a lot of love between the two of us. I definitely think that gave us an advantage, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better word, in kind of the co-parenting space. But that said, I think the real reason why Matthew and I have been so successful at co-parenting is that, number one, we have done our own individual work in therapy. Mm. And I think that that really matters and really makes a difference. Secondly, we have done a lot of work to understand what the impact on our kids would be if we chose a different path for co-parenting. And what I mean by a different path is a a path that was really separate, where, Mm -hmm. for instance, let's use the holidays as an example. I, I know families who one parent has their kids Christmas Eve and another parent has their kids Christmas Day, and there Mm -hmm. isn't any joining. For Matthew and I, it was very important that we be united for our kids and, frankly, for ourselves. Mm. I had no desire to be alone on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. The best imperfect choice in this circumstance was to, in fact, do the holidays together with my kids and with my Mm ex-husband. And that has been incredibly beautiful and sacred and special. And I'm so grateful that we can do that. And what I have learned in the past few years of receiving literally hundreds and hundreds of comments from other women who don't have the same story is how difficult and lonely and sad it is to not have that kind of relationship, to be alone on the holidays, to not be with their kids. Matthew and I have just been like, that is not going to be our story. That's just not the way we are going to do holidays. And sure, it's, it, it feels different. It's not what it was, but it feels, I think, really good for our kids. And one other thing, and then I'll stop talking here for a minute, is that I have also had lots of conversations with my followers who are adults who have felt the negative impact of their adult parents who can't be in a room together. Mm -hmm. I have divorced parents. My parents divorced when I was an adult. My parents don't get along very well. And when I go back to Wisconsin for holidays or visits, there's very few times where they are both in the same place at the same time. And that is stressful for me as an adult kid who has the tools to understand and kind of manage why that is. That's still difficult. So I have no desire to put that on my kids who are 9, 12, and 15. Mm. Well, there's so many good things that I want to go back to and just like unpack a little bit more. The first thing that I thought was just so profound that you said is that you and your ex-husband have done the work individually to become more whole and more healthy in your own ways. And I think that there's so much to be said for, and that was the whole point of bringing up this conversation in the first place was how to not have like a really codependent holiday season where everything is wrapped up in other people's expectations or how to manage other people's feelings or try to do this dance of controlling other people versus just looking at yourself and saying, what do I really want? Where can I improve? With that work that you've done with yourself, 
what are some of the biggest ahas or changes or things that you've seen in your personal development as you've gone through this process? I think that before I was divorced, I put too much weight on who I was as a wife mm. and who I was as a mother. Yeah. And less weight on just who Jessica was, the beauty of myself and being able to sit with myself, recognizing my own individuality. I was married really young, had my first child pretty young, and I had never really taken time or invested energy in exploring who I was, what my needs were. I don't think during the holidays I'm necessarily looking at it through that lens, but I do know that holistically I am very comfortable with who I am now. I can celebrate myself and I can sit with myself in a way that I couldn't. For any parent who's listening who doesn't have the gift of a positive co-parenting relationship and is going to spend some portion of the holidays alone, I think what I would say to you who is listening is maybe take a look at why it's difficult to sit by yourself. Mm. What are those pieces of you that have been filled by other people or other things that feel really empty right now and mm -hmm. and just explore that because i think that exploration for me has been one of the biggest ahas in my own journey kind of post divorce and all that that has entailed yeah that's beautiful and i think that that's a gift that i hope that every adult gets a chance to give themselves because it is it's such a self-discovery journey of like wait who am I outside of this relationship or the role as a mother like you said I think a lot of women with the greatest of intentions lose kind of their own identity in motherhood and that is really a gift but it takes intentionality it takes practice it takes kind of like you said thinking about, okay, why is it uncomfortable for me to sit with myself? And what are the things that I'm afraid of thinking about or facing? And that's really wise that you're, I think, encouraging people to do that. One other thing that I've learned as it is in relationship to Matthew that I think might be a, a good thing to add in here mm -hmm. is to not be afraid to have hard conversations. Mm. Matthew and I have both grown individually over the past few years, and we aren't the same people that we were when we were married, right? Because there's been growth. Just like there's growth, even if you're within a marriage over the course of time, there's there's going to be growth. And I think sometimes I would fall into old patterns of, oh, I don't want to broach this topic because I don't want it to be upsetting, or how do I you know, delicately bring this up? Instead of really looking at it through the lens of, I need to bring this up for me mm. and because I think it might be the best thing for our family yeah, or whatever. It's been interesting over the past couple of years as I've started dating and dated some really incredible men who are really great dads mm -hmm. who have not had as fantastic of relationships with their ex-spouses as I have with Matthew and talking to them around boundaries and conversations with their ex-wives and how do they do that? And I think ultimately, if you can look at your ex as they are somebody 
who's also for my kids just as much as I'm for my kids Mm -hmm. and come at the conversation from that perspective, I think it can make things a lot better and a lot easier and healthier and more loving, which is something that I think is really needed in a lot of relationships. That's so good. Yes, I love that. And just seeing the, I think there's a mentor that I love. His name is Scott O'Neill and he loves this acronym API, Assume Positive Intent. And that kind of sounds like what you're talking about where you just Mm -hmm. see the person for their, their good intentions and what they're trying to bring versus like maybe thinking about all of the negativity or other things that have washed up in the past and the present and all of that. Right. Exactly. So I want to go back to, to what you said. I thought this was so profound that you said it wasn't just about what my kids wanted and what was best for them, but you also said, this is what I want. And I think that that is something that we don't hear enough of. I think with the greatest of intentions, a lot of people talk about like, well, let's be selfless. Let's put the kids first. And in lots of different situations with families in general, with the holidays, like think outside yourself. But I think a lot of times people don't know how to also approach, well, what do I want? What is, what's important Mm -hmm. to me? And do I feel safe? And do I feel like I can say what I want in a clear and kind way that empowers me to also have an opinion and not look back with regret or resentment about how things went? So tell me a little bit more about that. I think it's really important for us to be our own advocate. Yeah. Sometimes we're not good at that, or Mm -hmm. sometimes we let fear prevent us from using our voices. I've said this before. I signed up to be a mom 100% of the time. And when I first got divorced, I looked at it like I was only a mom 60% of the time. That the 40% when my kids were at their dad's house, I wasn't a mom. Well, that is not true. (laughs) We know that I'm still their mother 100% of the time, even if they're not here 100% of the time. But what I know that I need is that I need to see them every day, Mm. even if they're at their dad's house. Matthew and I quickly came to the realization of, okay, we both want to see the kids every day, no matter whose house they're at. How could we do that in a way that is boundaried and is appropriate? And so for us, that was figuring out school drop-off and pickup. So we share that responsibility and that load, regardless of whose house the kids are at. That was something that we just talked through. And I said, this is something that I need. I just can't go without seeing them. And Mm -hmm. we were able to figure that out. And I think so often we think, oh, because something is outlined a certain way that it has to be exactly that way. And Mm -hmm. sometimes there's reasons for that. But I think there's a lot of gray in divorce. Mm -hmm. And if we're willing to explore the gray a little bit, I think what we can find is a little more happiness and a little more peace and less volatility and just assume good. Assume, Mm -hmm. like you said, that positive intent, I think really makes a big difference. I love that. And I think too, what you're saying about you've got to do what's right for you and not necessarily when you look around what other people are doing or what seems right to the world or what's kind of like the going standard way of doing things. I was watching a documentary on Netflix, I think, about Garth Brooks and his wife. And did you have you seen that? 
I have not. Oh my gosh. I think you would love it. It is. So he talks a lot about kind of his journey with not just his career, but also his family. He talks a ton about family life and he talks about divorce and about how people thought they were crazy. But when he divorced from his first wife, who he had, I believe, three girls with, they decided the same thing that you said. He said, I wanted to see my kids every day. And so did my ex-wife. And so they did something. I can't even remember the exact details of it, but they like lived in the same house, but swapped like times of who was with the girls so that they stayed in the same house. And then they were the ones that left and came back and forth every day so that they, neither parent went a day without seeing the kids. It sounds crazy, but he was just like, it didn't matter if other people thought it was dumb, like it worked for us. And it allowed us to give them the consistency that we wanted to give them. And we didn't have to miss out on having a constant relationship. And I just was like, that's so cool that they just made it work for them the way that it was best for them. That's right. I think comparison is the thief of joy, right? Mm -hmm. And in so many ways. And I think you outlining how to do your own family's kind of co-parenting structure is something that can be really unique to your needs. But I think it's important to not let the anger of the past dictate the rest of your life. Mm. That that is just a toxic, sad way to live. And I think leaning into love even after a marriage has ended is just going to create a really healthy, beautiful new kind of love after divorce. And that is has been a really beautiful thing for me in ways that I never imagined it possibly could in 2020. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You were saying, like, there are some things where you're like, yeah, there's a reason for that. Are there things that you've kind of uncovered or realized with some experience, like, there are some good ground rules that either other people taught you or that you've kind of discovered that have helped. Because I think for me, I'll just give you an example. And this might be totally, this might not apply to you at all. But when I first got divorced years ago, one of my girlfriends who I had gone to college with came to me and said, the very best piece of advice I got from anyone. And this was back in the day when Facebook was the only social media any of us had, like that's the only thing that existed. She was like, go through and delete all of your mutual friends so that you don't have to constantly get updates from this person's life. And I was like, there's no way I can do that. And she was like, just do it. Just listen to me. And I look back and I'm like, gosh, that really was one of the best things I ever did. And later on, when I was in a better place, I added some of those people back. But at the time when things were super raw and messy, it was so good for me to not just constantly be getting updates in my little news feed of what was going on with my ex and who he was hanging out with and what was, you know, whatever. I mean, that's just one example of somebody told me something that at the time didn't make sense. And then later I was like, gosh, I'm so glad I listened. Like, were there things like that, that you're like, this is what I would tell a person in this new, fresh environment and 
things that either other people told you or that you've just learned with experience? So Matthew still is one of my best friends. We FaceTime multiple times a day. Like our relationship is really, really good. So a a couple that I can think of related to Matthew. So we still vacation once or twice a year. We always obviously get a house big enough for us to have our own space. And Mm -hmm. when we go on vacation with with the kids. When we go on those vacations, we do a lot time for like him to go do something with the kids or me to go do something with the kids and and be able to still have our own space. And mm-hmm. that has been really good that we aren't kind of on top of each other. One thing that we have in our divorce decree that I am really glad that we have is a morality clause. Mm-hmm. This would only apply to someone who is in the midst of a divorce, but we have a clause in there that says that no one can sleep over at the house when the kids are there unless you've been in a relationship with that person for six months and the kids have previously met them. We just put that in place that, and I just think it's a nice like guard. I really liked it even just for dating purposes to say this is the boundaries and and people have been really respectful of that. And that is something that multiple women told me that they either had in their divorce decree or they wished they had it. It's been a non-issue for Matthew and I, but I'm glad that it's there. Again, just kind of providing some guardrails. Yeah. In terms of other thoughts that I have, social media has, because we both work in social media, that wasn't my experience, what you had, but that has been my experience in dating and putting some of those parameters in place of blocking and deleting and Mm -hmm. unfollowing and that type of thing. I I think it's important to recognize when your gut is responding to something and Mm -hmm. act accordingly. So if you are triggered by photos or certain people to unfollow them or block them or silence that or on your iPhone have certain people's photos not pop up in memories and that sort of thing, I think anything that you can do to protect your peace is really, really important. I love that. Yeah, that's helpful. So if I was your friend that I, I'm like, okay, Jessica, it's my first Christmas doing this. I have no idea how to work with all of these new components of our life. Like what kind of pep talk would you give a friend who's staring down their first holidays as a separated or divorced person? I am going to probably not be the best person for a pep talk. I'm going to say it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard because this is the first year where you are going to navigate what your new normal is. I would encourage that friend to not get caught up in the planning of the entire season, to be very present in the day-to-day, to decide what are your Christmas must-dos this year. I would remind her to be okay with traditions looking different, for mm-hmm. some things to be different. and. To just go into that, that different isn't bad. That different is just potentially this year. Like, for instance, maybe every year you made sugar cookies as a family. And this year it feels too painful to make those cookies at all. That doesn't mean that that tradition is going away. It just might mean that this year you're not doing them. Next year you might feel different. And I think the other thing to remember is it gets better. And it sounds so cliche to hear that. And when you are in it, it is hard to believe that that is the case. I remember feeling like I'm never going to be better. I'm never going to stop crying. Mm -hmm. This is not how it was supposed to be. Yeah, it wasn't how I imagined that it was going to be. But 
every Christmas since my divorce has still been beautiful and magical and special and holy and sacred. And you get to make it that way. Mm-hmm. You have the power to say, I am not going to let this divorce steal the J from my joy. I'm going mm-hmm. to still have Christmas be a special season for me. That doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. There are days where it's going to be hard. There are days when you're going to cry. Something that my friend Ashley Lemieux said to me after a breakup, she said, Jess, maybe you need to schedule time to grieve. Mm. Yeah. And I thought that was so wise that then I wasn't worried about, is this going to make me cry? Is this going to make me cry? It was like, okay, right now I'm going to just sit in this at at two o'clock. I'm going to just sit with how I'm feeling. I'm going to breathe in and breathe out. And I'm going to just let all of those emotions out for this period right here. And that helped me get through some of those hard moments. And so maybe that might be a tip for some people as well. But I think just know the only way through is through. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a whole lot of firsts. And a lot of times it isn't the big firsts that are the hardest first. It's the unexpected ones. It's mm. decorating the tree and pulling out that ornament that you forgot about from your honeymoon. Or mm. it is the random first snow and you remember your first kiss in the snow or whatever it is. Yeah, It's usually not like actual Christmas morning. You're mm. probably fine on Christmas morning. So Be aware of that. Have safe people to talk to. Don't do it alone. Go ahead and schedule therapy now um, (laughs) so that you can process as well. Yeah. The all such wise words. And I think that that everything you said can be applied to anyone going through any kind of grief. We've definitely dealt with like a lot of grief in the last few years with my husband. Lost his brother almost five years ago in a homicide. And a lot of what you said about schedule grief and it's kind of the unexpected thing sometimes that can be hard. All of that rings so true. But I also think that like when I went through my divorce, I didn't I didn't even think about how there would be grief involved. And it's definitely a grieving process. At least it was in my experience. So I think what you shared is really wise and can help a lot of people. I also wanted to ask you about as a family member, how did people support you well? And and also maybe like what not to do. Is there anything that you're like, oh, maybe don't say this or because there's things like that where until you've gone through it, you kind of don't know. And then when you do, you're like, oh, yeah, don't tell somebody whose loved one just died like they're in a better place. <laughs> like that's not helpful. So right. are there things like that that people did that were really helpful or maybe things that you would tell people now with your experience to avoid? I can't think of anything off the top of my head in terms of things to avoid. I do think the best thing you can do is continue to remember someone. Mm. I think that so often we remember somebody immediately after something difficult happens. Mm. So, for instance, my divorce announcement was very, very public. Millions and millions of people saw it. And I received flowers and cookies and muffins and people were calling and texting. And then things got really quiet. And Mm -hmm. it was still hard for me. I think being a constant drumbeat of presence is the biggest gift that you can give someone. Yeah. Just to let somebody know that you haven't forgotten, that you see them, that you know that the season must be hard and you check in with them. 
Also, I think don't be afraid to invite your friend who's divorced even to something that is going to be all couples. Mm, Tell me more about that. It's a very lonely place to be divorced. And it is really sad when you see people who you had done things socially with in the past all get together and they're all with their significant others and you weren't invited. Mm. And I think the intentions are good. I think people think, oh, I don't want them to feel bad. Everyone's going to have their spouse there. So I'm not going to invite them. It actually feels worse to be alone on your couch. Yeah. Why am I going to cry? Um, sorry. No, it's okay. I mean, it's been three. This is my fourth Christmas setting up my tree. And on Sunday, we just set up our tree. My kids go to their dad's on Sundays. And Sunday night, they left and went to his house. And I sat in my living room. And I was just so sad. Sorry. And it's been years, and I have a great relationship with Matthew, and I'm so grateful to be where I am and all I've learned and the person that I am, and it's still lonely. And it's lonely in a different way during the holidays. I think the biggest advice I can give is just to remember the men and women in your life who are alone because chances are they're sitting in their living room with a twinkly tree and they'd give anything to have someone beside them or their kids beside them and it's it's always a hole so just because time has gone by don't think that they don't still need you or that it doesn't still ache because scars even when they're healed still ache and i think there's something about christmas that makes that ache just a little harder than other times of year and jessica thank you for sharing that that was (laughs) sorry (laughs) no it's okay don't be sorry thank you thank you for sharing that and and just being real and i think that everybody needs to hear that because there are people who just they are alone. A lot of people that are alone and feel lonely this time of year. And ironically, it's the busiest time of year. That's right. So I think <laughs> that it's it can feel even harder to carve out time for those that feel alone or are lonely. So do you have like a story of someone that you can think of when they showed up for you and something where they were there just at the right time? My friend Anne who some of you might have read her work and Voskamp. She's just a prolific writer and she's one of my best friends. And I could name thousands of times where she was just that person for mm-hmm. me, where I would call her and we, we FaceTime because she lives in Canada. So we FaceTime all the time and I would just sit and cry and she would just sit there with me. And she didn't always have the words but she always gave me her presence. Mm -hmm. And that was so meaningful to me, particularly in the early months of going through my marriage ending and finding my way as a single person and, and figuring out my new normal. That was so, 
so dear to me. And I think it was just that constant. And I've said to her, and I don't think I'll ever be able to repay you for all of the hours where you just sat with me. And it was one of the best gifts of my entire life to have somebody be that consistently loyal. Mm. And it taught me about friendship in a way that I don't think I had ever received before in adulthood. That was really, really special and something that I will be grateful for for the rest of my life. Well, that that like made me emotional too, because I just thought about last Christmas. I last all of like July 23rd until January 5th, I was on bed rest and it was very lonely. And there were just a few friends, only a few friends who consistently, like more than once came and sat on my bed and sat with me like you're talking about. And they didn't need to make me anything or bring me anything or buy me anything. It was just their time. Like people's time is so precious and sitting with someone like that is the gift that that not a lot of people even know to give, but there's, I think, nothing better. So yeah, that that like made me emotional to hear you talk mm-hmm. about your friend, Anne, and think about the women who have been that for me too. Yeah, it is so special. And I think it was really difficult for me to not feel like a burden. Mm, yeah. I want to speak to that because I think so often we as women believe the lie that we have to carry it all mm-hmm. and that there isn't space and that no one has capacity for our pain. Mm. But when we think about ourselves and we think about the people we love, we know that we would drop anything to sit with someone else, that it would be a great privilege. And so we have to trust that the same thing is true for the people in our life. And what I had the privilege of experiencing through my own divorce and the trauma of that was women who were safe to sit with Mm -hmm. and who held me and who held my story safely. Not one of them would say that it was a burden. They would all say that it was a privilege. That has really taught me that my pain is not a problem. Yeah. That my pain is something that we all experience. Our pain is different, but everybody experiences pain. I think divorce awakened me to the brokenness that people are all walking around with. Mm -hmm. I hate that before my divorce, I couldn't appreciate it like I appreciate it now. Yeah. But in this season, especially, there are people in your life who are hurting. You are hurting, perhaps, listening to this. I just want to encourage you to either reach out to someone or be the person that reaches out to someone and sit with them and remind them that they're they matter and they're loved and they're wanted and they're seen that their story is welcome that their stuff is welcome because it is the single greatest gift you can give someone better than anything you're going to be able to find at Amazon or Target. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Talk to me about your kids and how you've helped them navigate this. Like being children of divorced parents and having co-parenting parents, like how have you helped them through this journey? 
it was really important to us that we have support for them from people who are not us. Mm -hmm. So we made sure for our big kids that we got them into therapy so that they could talk safely with someone else. Our youngest Mm -hmm. was really too young for it to be beneficial for him at that point. Matthew and I have also been really good about being consistent with them across households. Mm. So it's not like something that happens at mommy's house doesn't often also happen at dad's house, right? That we are still parenting the same, that we still have the same rules, the same boundaries. And we also consistently, Matthew and I consistently talk about, hey, this is what I'm noticing. Can you address this at your house or vice versa. We're just having that communication. And I think that is so important. I know people who are divorced with kids who they don't have those types of conversations with their exes. And what has started to happen in those relationships is the kids are doing different things. Mm -hmm. It's more difficult for them to adjust going from one house to the other. And there just isn't that consistency. Kids thrive on consistency. And so that is something that's been really important to Matthew and I that we offer that for them. And I think we have seen our kids really thrive because of that consistency. Yeah, I've definitely, I'm thinking of my friends who are in this position and I feel like that has been their greatest struggle that I've heard over and over is just the different sets of rules and different priorities and values and things like that. So I don't know. Do you have any advice for someone who is in that situation where there's a difference in where maybe that consistency isn't there? I would recommend scheduling a therapy session with somebody who can be a mediator to have that conversation. With you and your ex-spouse if you don't feel like you can have that on your own. So if there are glaring inconsistencies that are impacting your kids, again, this is about what is best for your kids and what's best for them is to be brave enough to have that hard conversation with your ex-spouse. And if it is too difficult to have that conversation, then perhaps say, hey, I think it'd be good for us to do a check-in. I was talking Mm -hmm. about it with my therapist. Would you be willing to have a session with her and I where we just kind of talk through some things in parenting so we can be sure we're on the same page? Or if you're not comfortable with that, I'm happy to come to your therapist and do the same thing. I just think it'd be helpful for us to have a neutral party or something like that. And I think that would go a long way in fostering that conversation that could be difficult and ultimately having a positive outcome. Yeah, that's so smart because I I feel like maybe a a neutral person could tell you like, yeah, it's really not important if they're eating sugar cereal or not, but maybe it is important if they are allowed to have like unlimited screen time or like there's right. probably somebody that can can say like, this is important. This maybe isn't as important. So that's right. That's good advice. I yeah. love that. So going into the holiday season, how do you look at like your new normal and decide what traditions you're going to keep or what you're going to, how do you create a new normal that still feels good and has things from the past, but also have the courage to do new things? Does that make sense? Sure. I think some things are naturally just going to continue. So for instance, we have an elf that visits our house every year Mm -hmm. and (laughs) 
the elf still visits and now visits two houses. And that is just something that we continue to experience (laughs) every holiday. Then there's other things that are different. You know, it's interesting to me, something that continues to be difficult for me are Advent traditions. You see Mm. so many families who are like, we're going to read this Advent book together every single day. And I'm like, I love that in theory, but we're at two different houses and Mm. that's just not something that's going to be able to be done. Yeah, I'm going to have to pick a different book or pick less stories or Maybe we FaceTime her. You know, like some things just don't work as well. Yeah. Advent calendars, we give them early so that they can be opened at my house on the days that they're at my house. And some days they might open too, but that has worked well for the past couple of years. They just got them a little early and then there were still enough days to open them. And there's some things that we still do together as a family. We go and look at lights together. We do cookies together. And there's some things that have become new traditions. Like we trim the tree, just mommy and the kids. And daddy isn't here for that. And my kids actually, interestingly, this year asked, is dad going to come to help us trim the tree? And I think that just shows you how integrated we are in each other's lives. And I said, now, does daddy ever come to decorate mommy's tree? And does mommy ever come over to decorate daddy's tree? And they were like, oh, no, that's something we just do here. Sometimes there will be conversations around what do we do now and, and, and whatnot. But you just find your way. There's no one way to do it, but there's a million ways to do it well. And I think there's comfort in that, that you don't have to follow one script for it to be the right script for your family. That's so good. Okay, Jessica, if there is one message that you want the person listening to this episode to walk away with and remember, what do you want that one message to be? I think the one message I want for every listener, every single listener, divorced or married, to sit with is your presence matters in someone else's story be willing to show up for the people in your life and love them really, really well because love is the greatest gift that you can give somebody at Christmas and always. I love that so much. Thank you. And thank you for everything you shared. It was so impactful and helpful for me. I learned a lot. Where can people find you if they want to follow along with your journey and see all of your fun Christmas finds, gift guides, all of those fun things too? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram. It's just Jessica N. Turner. And my website is jessicanturner.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jessica. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. We're so grateful that you spent time with us today. Make sure you go follow us at Corinne Stoko or at Mint Arrow Messages on Instagram. And then if you have a second and you love the show, I would love it so much if you'd leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. That's the only way people can find out about us if they haven't heard about us before. So just go tap the stars, leave a rating or a review. If you have a second, we would appreciate it so much. 